Welcome to Marketing Strategies with Audrey Kirchner, sponsored by Incoma, taking your small business to the next level with proven creative solutions designed to grow your awareness and connect to your customers. Now, here's Audrey. Hi there and welcome. I'm Audrey Kirshner, co-founder and chief marketing strategist here at Incoma. Incoma is a full service marketing agency. We bring that big agency feel and process to small business owners. We do marketing strategy, branding, website design and hosting, content marketing, search engine optimization, social media marketing, and digital advertising. To learn more about what we do, ask us a question or schedule a marketing evaluation for your business, go to our website, Incoma.com. That's I-N-K-Y-M-A.com. If this is your first or second time listening, welcome. If you've been listening to us for a while, welcome back. We really appreciate you continuing to support and listen. If you've missed a couple of episodes, you can go back and listen to the entire podcast at your leisure. We have it on the website, Podbean. Spotify, Amazon Music, and Audible. So this week, I'm talking about sales funnels and how they can help your business with lead generation. So pretty juicy topic here. Um, I always get asked questions and we're always trying to figure out how do we get leads? How do we get people to find us? So I think this episode is going to be really impactful when it comes to figuring out how to get leads and what to do with them. So if your business sells high-priced, high-ticket products or service, or if you're what's considered a high-trust service or product category, it takes on average six to eight touches. And a touch is an email, a conversation, a meeting, uh, bumping into at the coffee shop. Six to eight touches for buyers to get comfortable and to choose your business. So when I'm having discussions with business owners with these certain types of businesses, they want a way to automate this six to eight, you know, multi-touch process because it is time consuming. It's um, energy focused because you're trying to figure out what do I say? How do I keep in touch with people without being annoying? So they can maximize their time a little more. And my answer is always create an email sales funnel, automate it, get it out there. So what is an email sales funnel, sometimes called a drip campaign? They're kind of interchangeable. It's a series of automated emails, meaning they go out at a specific time, one after the other consecutively, and their job is to trigger someone to perform a specific action. So they may interact with you, they may click on an ad, they may go to your website, and that's what gets them into the funnel. And then they get the series of emails that addresses their concerns and really asks them to take some sort of action. We're going to call that a call to action, a CTA. Now, unless you're a very commerce-driven business, e-commerce, in-person commerce, the funnel usually doesn't ask people to buy something directly, right? This is a getting to know you type of uh, funnel, um, warming people up, not saying buy, buy, buy right now, right now, right now. Usually it's something else, get a conversation started with a human, um, getting them to take a next step, some other type of action. And these actions could be to schedule an evaluation, get a free inspection, depending on what your business is. If if it's an auto business, it could be get a free tire inspection, Um, make a call, schedule an appointment, 
um, send an email, nothing that is financial commitment or um, contract commitment related. What's great about the funnel is in addition to warming them up to your business, it also helps pre-qualify them so that really when you have to interact with them yourselves, right, you get outside of the automation, they're already pre-qualified. You're not talking to someone who's just maybe kicking tires. So what types of businesses do sales funnels work well for? Great question. Um, I did an episode on email versus social media marketing. I talked a lot about types of businesses, like what social media is better for, what email is better for. So I'm gonna go over it here again, but I do recommend that you go back, listen to that episode. There's a lot of good information in there as well. So the first category are high ticket, high price sales items. And what I mean by that is anything that's over $50, not um, reoccurring and not an impulse buy. So I know we can all consume something over $50 if it's an impulse buy, regardless if it's shoes, a shirt, a purse, fishing gear. So this is other types of stuff from that. So think custom new homes, uh, auto purchases, renovations. Those are gonna be more thoughtful purchases or if you're going to establish a reoccurring revenue every month with a company. An example I have here is a property management company. That's reoccurring revenue, usually in the thousands of dollars to have someone maintain a large piece of property. I have a client where we created a sales funnel for them so that um, they would RFP every year on, on properties and projects. And the sales funnel we created was for those that they lost, meaning it comes up every year, every two to three years. So they wanted to stay top of mind with those folks so that when the renewal came up, they were invited back, tweaked the presentation um, and, and, have the ability to win that business again if they lost it the first or second time. Another category are high trust services. High trust services are anything where you're sharing delicate information about you, your family, your finances, maybe information that's not so, um, let's say social media worthy, right? You don't wanna post it everywhere. It might be a little embarrassing, not something you want everybody to know. These type of businesses, if you're B2B, a business coach, right? You're talking about what your business isn't doing so great at, maybe you're not doing so well. Nutrition coaches, nobody wants to share that they binged an entire bag of chips, but you share that with a nutrition coach because there's a high trust factor there. Security systems, any type of financial company. When you're talking your money and you're telling people what you have, what you want, what you need, that is gonna be a high trust industry and you need to have all of those touch points. Another one, I like to categorize this as the less desirable services, meaning we need them, whether we're a business or we're an individual, there are certain things we know we need, yet we really don't wanna think about them or we don't want to have to deal with them. For businesses, marketing, right? Marketing is one of those things where we know we have to do it, it's not on our forefront, it's not what gets us jazzed unless you're me, then it always gets me jazzed every day. Another one is legal services for businesses, right? You have to have contracts created, you have to have other legal things done, um, but it's not something that you you know, relish doing all the time. Accounting and other financial services, so this fits into two buckets, it's high trust and not something people wanna do all the time. So 
financial advisors, banks, accountants, and then all your insurance categories, whether it's business or personal, life insurance, auto insurance, homeowners insurance, business, workman's comp. Insurance is one of those categories where we just would prefer not to have to deal with it all the time or at all. And then the last one I'm going to share with you is businesses that have business development teams or sales teams. So you would kind of think that if you have a dev team or a sales team, you don't need a sales funnel. But in reality, the sales funnel supports the sales team in two ways. One way is it can actually drive leads to the sales team, meaning when that person gets into the funnel, they like what they see, they click on the call to action, there's a salesperson waiting there to have that conversation, which is brilliant because there have been many, many times where we have delivered leads to clients and someone who's doing customer service or scheduling appointments forgets to check and actually um, do something with leads. Like we pitch them and they forget to catch them. The other thing is that if a sales or a a sales development person talks to someone and they need to get those six to eight touch points in, but don't wanna do it manually themselves, you can generate a sales funnel for them so that they can constantly be going out and talking to humans while the sales funnel is warming people up. So it kinda gives them to to them on the back end and allows them to get them through the process as well. And that's the best thing about an email sales funnel that I really like is you create it once, you set the automation up, and then you just keep pushing people through. Then it it satisfies that numbers game portion of marketing where you can just keep driving people through. You can have that high volume so that you get the total number of real warm leads and customers out the back end with little effort. And then you can also pull those potential leads and put them into the sales funnel from different sources. So let's talk a little bit about these sources. You can use search engine optimization for landing pages. You can do digital advertising, Google, Facebook, Instagram, wherever your audience is. You can buy a mailing list, an email list. I just caution you on this because if you do not buy it from the right source, it may not be a really good list and you may have wasted your money. So make sure you do your research on your lists. Another great place is trade show events, other events you're attending, or networking events. You go to these events and you collect cards. Um, You may put a fishbowl out for people to win something and you get all of these cards with every intention of going back to the office and doing something with them, calling people, emailing them, creating warm connections. And I've talked to so many people where that list that stack has just sat there and they never get in touch with people again and then they feel like the event was a failure because no business came from it. So instead you can take all of that, put it into your funnel and maximize that for those next steps. Then it makes it worthwhile going to those events, going and meeting all of those people because you have a way to continue to reach out with them which is very little effort on your part. After I get that first question of how do I automate this? How do I make my life easier? And we go through the discussion. The next question I get is, that's awesome. That's great. But what happens if they don't take action in one of those emails? What do I do then? That's where you create an evergreen newsletter. And the people that have shown at least a little bit of interest, maybe they opened one or two of the emails, maybe they did click on something, you push them into a ongoing monthly, bi-monthly newsletter where you're sending out educational material with a call to action that's similar to what's in the sales funnel. 
the reason I say keep them in if they've interacted at least somewhat, you're going to get people that are going to not open anything, not click on anything. Don't waste your space in the system with folks that just aren't going to interact. These other folks that showed some type of interest, they may not be ready right now. It might make them, it might take them two to three months before they're ready. So don't give up on them just yet. Put them into that ongoing forever type of a system. So now that we've talked about this, I'm going to walk you through the anatomy of a sales funnel. This way you can maximize the chances of getting them to click through and do what you want. You're listening to Marketing Strategies, and I'm Audrey Kirshner. We're talking about using sales funnels for lead generation. So now I'm going to walk you through the anatomy of a series of six emails as a funnel. I like the six. I think it's a nice even number, and it's it's easy to put together. If you need those extra seven to eight, you know, you can certainly thread those in, but these are the six core that need to be here. What you say and when you say it in this series is really important. All of these are not just sales letters. You're not just pounding on them, buy my stuff, it's really good stuff, here's what my company's about. No. This series, you're giving them things, you're handling objections, and you're selling and putting call to actions in in strategic places. But before we go through this six series, I want to make sure you know what your call to action is. What do you want them to do? What's the goal? It's really, really important because that sets the tone and the language for the entire series and makes it feel like it's part of a team or a family of emails and it's not disjointed. So do you want them to call? Do you want them to schedule an evaluation? Create that very succinct language and that one call to action is going to be used in all of the emails except for one and I'll tell you which one and it's going to be verbatim every single time. That's really, really important. The reason it's important is because repetition breeds familiarity and familiarity breeds trust. It's the know, like, and trust concept. And then make sure you have fun with the the language too. Make it sound like it's from you and from your business. Okay, let's get into these. So email number one is what I call asset delivery. In order to get them into the funnel, landing page, ad, event, your best bet is to create a lead magnet or what I like to call a high value download to get them into the funnel. It pre-qualifies them. So it's not expensive for you financially or anything. What it is, is you're giving them something that is really valuable to someone in the research phase of the buying cycle for your product or service. That's really important. So if I'm researching something and I'm trying to find information so I can make a good decision, I'm going to look for things that support and help me. This could be a template that I get to fill out and hand to somebody. It could be a checklist of the top five things to do. It could be a checklist of materials that need to be purchased in order for what I'm trying to do to go off well. And so this very, very first email is the one where you do not add a call to action. There's no selling whatsoever. This is thank you, welcome, here's your gift, download it today, we'll talk to you soon. That first impression in email is really important and you don't want to come across over salesy, so don't sell at all here, I've got something for you. Let that resonate with them until the next email comes. The next email, email number two, is your problem and solution email. You outline the main problem you're trying to solve and the product or service that you have that solves it. Your company may have 
many, many, many products or services, right? If you're an insurance company, you may sell auto insurance, life insurance, homeowners insurance. This particular sales funnel is for one product line only. You can have multiple sales funnels. You don't have to just um, have one, but each one should be very, very specific. And so here's an example of kind of how this would work for a business coach business. If your business isn't doing well, hire a business coach. You can schedule a free evaluation with us today. That's it. That is your whole entire message. You might add a little bit more around it, but it's clean and precise. Email number three is a testimonial from one of your customers that work with you. You want to have credibility established very, very quickly. So after you've told them, we know what your problem is, we can solve it, and oh, by the way, here's how we solved it for someone else in the next email, very, very powerful. You can do text-based emails, totally fine, but I prefer, and we do, video-based testimonials. You get to see the person, see if you visually relate to them, their voice, and then, of course, there's the retention factor. 95% retention for a video versus 10% retention for text. And then the nice thing is, is if it's a video, you can track the click, meaning you'll know how many people actually watched it. Email number four is overcoming an objection. You know what the objections are to your product and services. You've talked to customers. And my guess for 90% of the businesses out there, that objection either relates to time or it relates to cost. Things may be different for different industries, and if you have something very specific that's different, you should stick with that. But if you're searching for it, it's probably time or cost. In this email, you wanna put that objection out there and then address it and talk about how you overcome it. And hopefully you do that with a process or a procedure that you've already baked in and have been doing for a very long time in your business, because that's gonna distinguish you between your competitors. Acknowledge it and address it, and then you get to move on. Email number five. This is my favorite email. It is the paradigm shift. You want to change the way that the lead is thinking about your product, your service, maybe your industry. So if they're having a pain point, you wanna turn that into an asset. And then if it's expensive or time consuming, you wanna really turn it around as an investment figure out what the ROI, the return on investment is for that. And that's your paradigm shift. ROIs aren't just financial. You have ROIs for emotional, social, financial, and then time. You've got to figure out what those are. You'll probably pull them from the objection and pull it forward into a paradigm shift. An example of this Let's use a travel agency, right? So you're planning a vacation and you you don't get to vacation a lot, maybe once a year, it's the trip of a lifetime. Why try to do it yourself? Why not get a travel agent so that when you actually go on the trip, you're staying at the type of place you wanna stay, you're already pre-booked for all the events you wanna do so that you have a magical, wonderful time. Don't do it yourself and then run the risk of not having a great vacation, hire a professional. That's the paradigm shift, right? That's what you want people to think if you're going to hire, if you're a travel agent. It's like, listen, you know, don't 
leave this up to chance, especially if it's really, really important to you. And I'm pretty sure vacations are really important to everybody. It's that time away from work. And so that's how you can kind of reframe it. It's not just someone booking a hotel for you. It's someone ensuring your experience. That's the return on the investment. So I love figuring out the paradigm shifts for all different types of businesses, especially if the lead is on the fence. If you do the paradigm shift the right way, basically what you've done is you're giving them the justification on the purchase to either themselves or if there's some other type of decision maker that they have to convince to do this. So in that instance of a travel agent, honey, we need to hire a travel agent. We want this wonderful, great vacation to Hawaii. Let's make sure we're staying at a really great hotel and that all of our um, excursions are booked and that we're with the right companies. This travel agent can do that for us. They can give us this wonderful, great experience. You've just given them the language to justify it. Um, And that's why I love the paradigm shift so, so, so much. The last email in this particular series, and it should always be the last email regardless of how many you're sending, is the sales letter, that traditional sales letter. Many salespeople, they start with this one. We end with it because it's the very last one. If we've done our jobs the right way, we have built trust conversation along the way. We've given a lot of helpful information. We've helped them justify the purchase. Now let's finish the sale. So you want to recap benefits, uh, recap that that paradigm shift, and then make sure you absolutely include the call to action, not just once, twice, maybe even three times. This is a traditional sales letter. You're going to be selling. In the other emails, you're giving explanation, reason, support with a call to action. Now this is about selling and the call to action. And then I want you to end it with a postscript, right? Sign it, P.S., put in a time limited offer that they will only get because they've been in the funnel. It could be take this action within the next 48 hours and we'll give you a month's free supply of something or you'll get a free oil change. Um, Or if you're the travel agent, we're gonna um, give you a free excursion on us. The time frame needs to be set so it's relative to your business. Some sales cycles are really long. So two days isn't the right amount of time. Maybe it's a week. Others are shorter. So you'll have to gauge what that is. But the point is, is you want to create a sense of urgency. We've gotten them all through this. And this is like the final kick. It's like, and if you do this right now, you're going to even get something else from us. So that's the funnel. Let's talk a little bit about writing and timing. So timing, how often do these get sent out? My general rule of thumb is that three days apart. So Number one goes out, then three days later, two, three, four, five, and six. Now you're gonna know your specific industry better. And when I sit down and talk to a client, I learn their industry and I can adjust that time. So go with your gut. If you feel like three days is too much to hear from you, go four, go five. Whatever works for your industry, that's what you wanna do. And then let's talk a little bit about writing and language. Keep it clear, first and foremost. It doesn't have to be exciting. It doesn't have to be noteworthy. What it needs to be is clear first. You need them to get what you're trying to say. Then you can keep it light and conversational. Don't make the the majority of your content salesy. Like emails one through five, you've got call to actions in there. You don't need to sell inside of the paragraphs as well. Six, you can sell a little bit more, but keep it clear, keep it light conversational, not too salesy. Also, 
Don't try to write war and peace inside each of these emails. Less is more. Keep it short, sweet, clear, impactful. Keep it scannable. Don't create big blocks of paragraphs that people have to read through. You can, you know, my grammar teacher is probably like, oh no, but make it scannable. Couple sentences, and then if there's something that you really want people to hit on, make it a sentence by itself. It will not be grammatically correct, but it will be easy to read, and what we want is for them to get the concept and the information in the way that we're reading online these days and then save that novel for the blog. As I mentioned earlier, but I wanna reiterate here, is that email number one is the only email that does not have your call to action in it. Every other email should have it, and it should be by itself, very clear, with a nice big button. And like I said, in email six, put it in two or three times, along with that limited time offer. The other thing that you're gonna need, in addition to what we've talked about, is you're going to need an email system. They're sometimes called CRM's Customer Relationship Management Systems. That's how all the automation actually gets done. We are a certified MailChimp partner. So when a client comes to us and they've got nothing, we use MailChimp. We just really like it, it's easy, it's what we know. The other two systems that we will use is either Constant Contact or Salesforce.com has their own system. So if a client comes to us with one of those two systems, we will use those. Those are the top three that we know that we like. There's probably others out there, but for a fact, I know those three will absolutely do everything that we have talked about here today, the automated sales funnel system. So hopefully you're excited to do sales funnels and all of this information is great. It's wonderful, but it's useless unless you do something with it. So now I want you to take some action. And let's walk through the next couple of steps that I want you to take. First, pick that goal. What product or service and audience are you targeting? Just one, right? One per sales funnel. And what do you want them to do? What's that call to action? Get that down first and foremost. Second, how are you gonna get them into the funnel? Map that out. Are you going to need landing pages? Are you going to buy an email list? Do you have an existing email list that you've been just looking at and going, what do I do with this? Now we know what to do with it. Uh, Social media posts, events, and make sure you create that lead magnet that qualifies them to be in your funnel. We don't want people in there that have no business being in there. And to that point, don't make your lead magnet something financially based. Don't make it a gift card. Don't give away an iPad. Don't give away anything that anybody would want. Because what's going to happen is if somebody wants it, they're going to sign up for your sales funnel without any intention of ever working with you. They don't need you. They don't want you, but they want what you're giving away. That's why I recommend that it's something that's part of their research during the, um, if they're going to buy what you have to offer. Next, you're going to create your six emails and pick a CRM system. The CRM systems have learning curves. They are designed for people who are not tech savvy, who are not technically inclined, but they still have a learning curve. You've got to figure it out. It's going to take time. Also, they're all going to be paid systems. Even MailChimp that offers a free version of their software to do the automations, you have to pay. So be prepared, there's there's a cost and time associated with this. So this is a lot, right? Ads, landing pages, CRM systems, 
emails that have to be written, images that have to be put in there. It's all really doable for some business owner if you want to DIY it. The real question that you have to ask yourself is, do you have the time to learn how to do this the right way? Because you don't want to do it, spend all this time and money, and then it not be effective and not work. That's just frustrating. You got to do it the right way. So if you don't have the time, this is why you would hire a marketing agency to do this on your behalf. Companies like the one that I own will do all the writing, set everything up, they'll monitor it, they'll put, make sure people are getting pushed through, they'll test it, and that frees up your time to do other things. So if this feels too daunting for you, then where you spend your time is to hire that agency to do it on your behalf. And then the great thing is that if you get the, when you get the funnel up and running and it's doing its job, you can then just go and create more funnels for all your other products, services, and customer types. Here at Incomo, we like to give back to the business community. I provide a free 45-minute marketing consultation to any business owner, regardless if you're looking for a marketing company, um, want to talk sales funnels, or you know, just have a real quick question. Go to my website, Incoma.com, I-N-K-Y-M-A.com, and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner to schedule your marketing evaluation. Once you click it, you pick your time, we're on the calendar together. Maybe you just have a quick question, put it in the uh, contact form in the footer of any page that you're on. So if you found this information helpful and useful, and if you know other business people that you think would also find it, useful and helpful, share it. We would love to have you share these episodes with your colleagues, your friends, your other business associates so that they can grow their business as well. Thanks for listening and have an amazing day. Thanks for listening to Marketing Strategies brought to you by Incoma online at inkyma.com. Incoma.com. Now heard every Saturday morning at 9.30 on KPPF. And hear the podcast on Podbean.